Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Man, isn't Baptism Sunday special? Come on, it's... It is a special, beautiful, beautiful morning to be in church. Hey, before we jump into today's message, uh, yesterday was Veterans Day. So I, I want to take a moment, if you are either an active military or perhaps you have served uh, in the past or you have someone in your family that isn't necessarily here in the building right now, but they're serving, would you stand to your feet and just allow us to thank you at this very moment? So. Please, let's go ahead. We want to thank you for your service and thank you for those families that have uh, sacrificed as well of their time for their loved ones to serve uh, our, our beautiful country. Listen, I don't care what they say. Uh, God is still redeeming his people. Come on. Um, and there is still hope for the U.S. and the entire world. Come on, somebody. Uh, hey, I am excited because today uh, we get to wrap up our series on the book of James. And how many of you, you can answer honestly, you are happy that we are finally done with the book of James because it's kind of gotten in your grill a little bit. That's okay. All right. How many of you are going, man? I, I wish it was a little longer because I like how it got in my grill a little bit. Okay, that's good. That's good. Well, as we've said every week, we know that every chapter is jam-packed with a lot of things, right? And there's no way that in the next 45-ish minutes, um, I could cover everything that the book of James chapter 5 has to offer. But here's, here's my pastoral charge to you week in and week out. Let what we read and what we experience here on a Sunday morning simply be a taste of what you can continue to go and grow in on your daily walk with Jesus. Come on. So, so today, I, I really I want to pull out three different things from the book of James chapter 5. And, and that is this. I want to talk to you today about riches. I want to talk to you about patience. And I want to talk to you about miracles. Okay, again, I want to talk to you about riches, patience, and miracles. So would you open up your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 5. You can open up your phone. It's also going to be on the screen. But I am going to ask you to stand to your feet for the reading of the Word of God this morning. And it says this, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Welcome to church. <laughs> You're like, holy smokes, what have I walked into today? We'll get there. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Verse 7, be patient, 
therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. There's that word patient again. Until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be... Come on, are you with me this morning? You also be... Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by even under any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now look at this, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, uh, brings back, excuse me, a sinner from his wandering, wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You may be seated. Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray now that you would speak to all of us, Lord, and that, God, you would make your word clear. You would open up our hearts, make us like jars of clay, moldable in your hands, Lord. No matter where we're at on our journey of faith, I pray you speak to us all. You would reveal your son, Jesus, and help us to become more and more like him with each and every moment we're in his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, several years ago, my family and I decided to go to what's touted as the happiest place on earth. Parents, you know that it's not the happiest place on earth if you take a toddler. Come on, can I hear an amen? Uh, so so for, for about two years, my, my family of, of seven, right, we had to save up our money for about two years to be able to take our family to Disneyland. And, uh, another story for another time, but we didn't save up all the money we needed, so we ended up having to spend more than we had, you know. But I remember we, we got to Disneyland, and the last time I'd ever been, the first and only time I'd ever been to Disneyland was in high school. I was a 17-year-old kid, and yes, I was the choir president at my high school. Let's not talk about that. Um, because I can't sing. But anyway, uh, tallest, anyway, uh, anyway, the point is, I had gone when I was 17, and when I was 17, Disneyland was like this amazing place. And I, I remember my favorite ride was the Matterhorn. You guys know that? And, and as a 17-year-old kid, it was like the greatest thrill of my life. So here I am now, 30-ish years of age, and I show up to Disneyland, and the first ride I want to go on is the Matterhorn. And so we make the line, and we have to wait three 
hours in line. And the moment it's our turn, the, the worker grabs, you know, those little cinema thingies, you know, that they have at the, what do you call it? Partition. Yeah, partition. Thank you. It's my third language. I always forget. And he takes this partition, he closes it off, he goes, we're closed for maintenance. So after three hours of waiting, I'm now like, what? So we have to wait. Finally, they open it back up and, and we get to go on the ride. So I, this is like my favorite ride, right? So get on it. And how many of you know it's over in 30 seconds? <laughs> and 30 seconds later, I come to a screeching halt and I go, was that it? this being way more fun when I was 17. How many of you know there's things like that in life that once were super attractive and were once a thrill of a lifetime and now they kind of leave you wanting more? Well, James's overwhelming and overarching theme in the fifth chapter of this letter is telling all of us to not settle for the temporary things of life. You see, life's going to offer us temporary thrills. And James' overwhelming message for the last five chapters, quite frankly, has to do with, hey, hey, don't live a small life by banking on these things that are really just going to leave you wanting more. And much like this ride at Disneyland, there are things in this world that are temporary, that once you experience them, you come to a screeching halt and you go, is that it? Have you ever been left feeling empty still? Have you ever felt like, man, I'm still stuck. I'm still in the same place where I started And so James is emphasizing, don't just look at the now. Don't live on this side of eternity with a limited perspective. But can I encourage you, church, and now I'm talking to you, the believers, the followers of Christ here in 2023, Meridian, Idaho. Will you build something that lasts? Will you invest in what actually matters? So the first thing I want to talk to you about today is the warning we see here in the fifth chapter of riches that rust. Come on, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Did you know that from day one, the people of God, from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament into the early church. And if you study church history, you will see a common theme that the people of God are not called to be blessed just to be blessed, but they're blessed to be a blessing. The people of God and James is appealing here to the people of God that you are not called to use your riches and your resources and what you have at your availability and to use it to oppress the less less fortunate. But no, church, we are called to use what we've got to make a way for the less fortunate. And it doesn't take a scholar for you and I to understand that we see this all throughout history and even in our day and age today. 
where people in power use their power, their riches, their influence to oppress rather than make a way. But it shall not be so with the people of God. Come on. The people of God have from day one been called to use their influence, their power, their riches, their blessings, all that is available to them, not to oppress, but to make a way for the less, less fortunate. And I get it. In the church world, you've likely heard this phrase that you and I are blessed to be a blessing. Am I right? We look at the life of Abraham as he's promised that he will be the father of all nations in the Old Testament. And we see that from that example that God blessed him so that he would be a blessing to others. But more than a cliche Christianese little quote, we must understand that that which we invest in should be eternal and not temporary. And the world will tempt you and tell you, you do you, invest in what you want, invest in what you've got, hoard up your riches. And I'm not just talking about your resources monetarily. The world goes, seek after your comfort. The world would tell you, go and, and as, as long as your family's set up, then maybe you can begin to think about others. The world would tell you, focus on the here and the now. And James, in the letter of the fifth chapter, would go, I would call you to a higher perspective. If you and I do not get this world view of resources right, then how can we ever steward what God has given to us properly. You see, we are not called to store up treasures here on earth where they're going to simply be eaten by moth and rust away. We are called to the eternal, my friend. And I understand that in 2023, Meridian, Idaho, this is no longer a popular message but we must return to the message that goes, what are you investing in? And is it temporary? Is it fleeting? Or does it have eternal impact? Yeah. My friend, what I'm talking about should have pa uh, uh, paradigm shifting effects in your life. Right. Our day-to-day -day life should reflect an investment into the kingdom of God yeah. and into the eternal things of God and not the things that fade away. Right. You might be asking, well, Tony, what does that look like? When you invest in a young life and you disciple them in the ways of Jesus, you are investing in the kingdom of God. Right. When, when you choose to serve those that can't serve themselves, you are the carrier of the greatest message this world has ever heard. And when you choose to use that message to bring change into someone's life, you are investing in the eternal things of God. When you open up your mouth to sit with someone who is discouraged and you begin to speak life into them and encouragement to them, and then now you begin to see a life transformation and change in them, you are investing in the eternal things of God. And my friend, we're going to have to fight our very flesh to want to only
only do me and mine and my own and be willing to go, will I invest into the eternal things of God? You see, you and I have two choices. We can either be heavenly minded or temporarily minded. And can I tell you, a temporary mindset will only ever lead you to a small life. Temporary thinking people live small lives. They live in isolation. They worry about me, 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 me. They worry about hoarding things for themselves. They put themselves first. And like I said, may it not be so in the people of God. That we are so concerned about things that are fleeting. That we forget that we are called to heavenly things. Why must we be called to heavenly minded things instead of temporary things? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because we are called to endurance. Did you know that the race of the Christian walk is not a sprint? It, it is indeed a long distance kind of a race. And James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, calls us to endurance. As James says this, be patient. Say with me, patient. patient. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Look at this. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Can I just tell you something? The reason why some of us struggle with a fickle and brittle faith is because we don't like to sow. Come on. Let me, let me just kind of get up in your grill for a quick second if that's okay. Because we live in a culture that wants instant gratification. Which is why you won't watch anything online for longer than 3.3 seconds. Because you're ready for the next hit of dopamine. Over and over and over again. And we've trained our minds and effectively it's affected our spirit to no longer be farmers. And so instead of sowing the seed, which by the way requires the tilling of the soil prior, which, by the way, requires you to actually care for the land prior. Which, by the way, it means you rip up those weeds. You don't just chop them off. Come on, I rip them off from its roots. I tend and toil the land. And then I sow. And guess what? I don't get instant gratification. And the reason why I believe in the Big C Church, we have a pandemic of fickle, brittle faith Christians that only know how to sprint for 100 meters and then give up is because we have lost the art of farming. Can I talk to parents in the room? I understand not everyone is a parent and I certainly don't want to isolate anyone. But can I talk to parents in the room? Do not 
forget to continue to sow. And no, you may not yield fruit right away. But gray hairs in the room, help me out. Seeds eventually bear fruit. And we want an instant change, an instant transformation. We want God to remove these things. And God's going, learn to farm. So again, a person once asked me in the middle of 2020 when the world was falling apart. Y'all remember that? By the way, it was only falling apart because some people didn't lift their Y2K and it was showing. Someone asked me, what do we do in times of uncertainty? And I looked to the word of God before I answered. And I said, what is it that the people of God have done in times of uncertainty? They sow seeds. He goes on to say, you also be patient. And look at this. Establish your Hearts. This word establish in the original text means grow deep roots so that you may not be moved. We all want deep roots, but you want to know how deep roots come? Some of you don't know the answer. Deep roots in a tree only grow when there's drought, wind, and rain. When the storms come and the wind tries to rock a tree, the tree knows I got to go deeper. When there's drought around it, I got to go searching for water. And here's where I want to go with you today. Is some of you want patience, but you don't want the dealings of God that will lead you to the patience. And I'm here to tell you today, some of you have been resisting God for far too long. And my friend, it is time for you instead of growing hard-hearted in the midst of the wind and the drought and start digging deeper. As opposed to where will I uproot? Where will I go? I'm telling you, the grass ain't greener on that side. The grass is green where your roots go deep. But if, but if we're honest, and if I'm honest about myself, I would much rather prefer novelty than intimacy. Intimacy takes work and patience. By the way, this is free marriage advice for those of you right now. If you're getting ready to get married, write this down. Eventually, the novelty of that person you're attracted to will wear. And that's when you move from novelty into intimacy. And you want to know, and, and I don't, I, I'm not here to condemn anybody, but you want to know why divorce rates are through the roof and why we have now in my generation less and less people getting married? Because we choose novelty over intimacy time and time again. This is why people my age, they don't get married. They just go out to a bar every Friday night and get novelty again. Because there's no intimacy there. It's just novelty. There's absolutely there's excitement in meeting somebody new every weekend. And we do that in our spiritual life. Write this down if you're taking notes. Endurance will take you places where mere excitement cannot. Initial excitement is great. That feeling of like, I've seen the Grand Canyon for the first time. 
And then you move to Arizona five minutes down the road and now it's just the Grand Canyon. Right? Like, when my wife and I were checking out the, the Treasure Valley about six years ago, when we, we thought we, we, we wanted to move here, we felt like the Lord was calling us here. And so I'll never forget what it was like coming from Oregon, Pacific Northwest, where there's trees everywhere and water everywhere, you know, and, and coming in and just seeing just like desert land and like plains. And that was super attractive to me because it was different and new. But now I'm kind of sick of it. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm tired of like cold and dry. Like if you're a Pacific Northwest guy, the, the, the winter means you get more frizz in your hair because there's more moisture in the air and more moss grows on the cement. Y'all don't know what moss is around here. You don't know what that is. Instead, we get cracked finger you know, tips because it's so dry. But you, you, you get what I mean, that, that intimacy and novel, novelty are not two in the same. And excitement can only take you so far where endurance will take you the long way. Yes. And now if you know me and you know Tony and, and you know all about my illustrations and about my life, you are expecting what I'm about to do and I'm just going to tell you I'm about to do it. A week ago, I ran a half marathon. I know, I know, I know, I know. Just get it over with, get it over with. Okay. So last Saturday, not yesterday, but the Saturday before, I ran a half marathon, trained for it for four months. And, um, you know, 13.1 miles. And my goal was to run it in one hour and 45 minutes. That's an average of eight minutes per mile. That was my goal. And so I knew that that was, you know, I, I trained for four months how to run at that pace. I, I knew what it was supposed to feel like. But come on, I got onto that starting line. And first of all, my wife had texted me right before the race. And she goes, get up to the front where you belong. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> Do better, be better, bro. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I, knowing that I don't belong in the front pack, I move up to the front. Because the excitement of the crowd, the adrenaline was there. And I'll tell you what, man, you give me a crowd and I'll show up. I'm just being honest with you, okay? I get excited, the adrenaline starts pumping, all right? Okay, this is like, so I'm there, and I, my first three miles, I ran them at 7.05 pace. Way too fast for 13 miles. So you know what happened? The initial excitement got me through three miles. And when that excitement wore off, and I'm out in the middle of nowhere on the green belt, and I'm going a minute per mile too fast, endurance had to kick in. And by the way, I just, I just got to let you know, I finished in one hour and 46 minutes, so one minute off, that's an uh, average of 8.03 pace. So I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. So we redeemed it. But endurance will take you where the initial excitement cannot take you. And, and James here is talking about this idea of patience and endurance by referencing, hear me, one of the most gut-wrenching stories you will ever read about in the Bible. And that is this man named Job. And it's so interesting because he, he knows who he's talking to. James knows that he's talking to a group of people that absolutely understand all of the stories that now to us are known as the Old Testament. 
And so these people would have had a vivid understanding of the suffering that Job went through. And yet at the end of it all, Job was able to say God is faithful. And I don't mean to offend you, but some of us are here and we're licking our boo-boos. And I'm not minimizing the, what maybe the difficulties in your life or the hurt, the traumatic experiences. But can I tell you, what James is telling us here is allow the hurt and the pain to produce something in you. Yes. You want to know why we're not very attractive to the world sometimes? Because we got 100 meter sprint kind of faith. So the moment we don't get our way, we now start looking for something else, which, by the way, that's exactly what the world does. So what's the difference? So I don't get my way, God. I don't get out. Now I lose faith. No, no, we are being called to an enduring faith, to a steadfast faith. And my friend, for far too long, we have settled for a small life that goes, I believe in Jesus and I'll be faithful to him as long as it kind of looks comfortable and dandy and I'm good. But man, throw difficulty in and I resist it. Let today be the day, please, I plead with you that you stop resisting the dealings of God that will produce patience in you. Waiting requires patience. And patience only comes through the practice of complete trust in the one that holds it all. My question is, are you willing to pay the price? He goes, because here's the thing. Most of us that are kind of crazy like me would want to be on this side of bragging about a half marathon. But the price that was paid was that for four months, I had to set my alarm at 5 a.m. and do my runs out in the cold and the dark. It meant saying no to certain food and certain intake. It meant saying no to late night hangouts with people because I knew that the following day I had to get up and train my body. And I, I get it. By the way, I promise you this will be the last illustration I use about the half marathon because I'm going to start training for a full marathon in the spring and you'll get other illustrations then. <laughs> but, but we do this in our spiritual life, don't we? We want the glory, we want the patience, we want the end result. But much like the song we sing, man, if he's a way maker, you must first be in a spot where there is no other way. If he's a miracle worker, well then you gotta first find yourself in a place desperate for a miracle. If he is the resurrection, well then you gotta find yourself dead. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This sounds really good, right? Run and not grow weary. Kind of float on eagles' wings. You know, like that all is great picture. But uh, wait on the Lord. Sow seed, wait. Sow seed, wait. Sow seed, wait. Can I just tell you, and those of you that are walking with the Lord for a long time, you'll be able to attest to this. This is the rhythm and the life of a long-standing follower of Jesus. Sow seed and wait. 
So seed and wait. This is why we are encouraged in the New Testament to not grow weary in doing good because in due season, we will reap a harvest. Many of you are asking, well, when is due season? When the season's due. This takes development. It takes training. It takes a, a bridling of my spirit, a training of my spirit. I don't just wish for patience. I don't just wish for endurance. I got to die to some things. I got to bridle some things. I got to train some things in my spirit. And speaking of spirit, we see in the book of Galatians chapter 5, this beautiful list that encompasses the fruit of someone that has the spirit of God active in them. So can I just talk to my fellow charismaniacs out there, okay? I grew, up, I grew up in the same way. By the way, this church will forever be a church that believes in the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. We're not going to shy away from it, from the gifts of God, the miracles of God. Uh, we're going to be expressive. We're going to be presence-driven. All that stuff, okay? But here's what we're not going to be is we're not going to just simply have experiences filled with emotions that leave us the same. I'm not interested in just, oh, I'm speaking in this or that, or I'm having a prophetic word and this and that, and I walk out of here the exact same way. What I don't want is, oh, we had another camp experience where kids got filled with the Holy Spirit and all this stuff, and by the way, I'm not mocking it. And then those kids, their lives look the exact same way. I'm not interested in, in, in going, oh my gosh, did you see all the healings and all of this and all that? And we got this show and everybody loves it. And watch me, it becomes a show as opposed to a transformation in our lives. So don't forget, the same spirit that allows you to have discernment, have faith, speak in tongues, prophesy, all that stuff is the same spirit that gives you love, joy. Smile, somebody. Peace, patience, kindness. Can we just talk about some Christians needing to be a little nicer? Goodness, faithfulness. Can we talk about some parents, myself included, need to be a little more gentle with the way we address our children? Self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit produces something in us, and in that, patience is included. Steadfastness, faithfulness is included in that. And I know what I'm about to say might be a little edgy, but I gotta tell you, I would go to the Lord. If you feel like you've experienced the Holy Spirit in your life and been baptized in the Holy Spirit, yet you don't have this evidence, I would take that up with the Lord and say, what has taken place truly? Was it just an emotional experience? Was it just this thing in an environment or Spirit of God? Are you actually operating in and through me? Is that okay? No, that's fine. I'm going to keep saying it anyway. (laughs) And as we grow in patience, be ready that more opportunities will present themselves to grow us in patience. 
More opportunities to grow us in an enduring faith, a faith that doesn't give up, a faith that is well-rooted, a faith that is well-grounded will continue to show up. Why? Because God is after your heart. And he desires a bride that is steadfast, that is patient, that does not quit. And quite frankly, does not become jaded when things get hard. In other words, I want to encourage you today. Would you develop a soft heart while having some thick skin? Allow the troubles and the tribulations of life develop what they need to develop in you while you don't become hard and while you don't become this this jaded person. No, no. You have a soft heart and thick skin. In a sense, what I want to tell you is don't let the delay of things that you have to wait for diminish your faith, which leads me to my third and final point today. Are you with me? Are you getting something out of today? Look at this. Look at this. Beautiful, beautiful thing. He warns us against the riches that rust. He calls us to endurance. And then the third thing we see here is a faith for miracles. And if I haven't preached yet, get ready because this third and final point we about to preach. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him go talk to a friend. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him come to church with his arms crossed. Is anyone among you suffering? Put up a facade and don't let anyone else know you're suffering. Is that what the Bible says? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray, period. If you're a little ghetto like me, period, with a T at the end. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing if he feels like it. Let him sing if he was raised in an environment that is expressive. Uh, let, Let him sing if the songs that the band is playing hit him right there. (laughs) Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise, period. Is anyone among you sick? Now, what I'm about to say is I'm not saying ignore how God has equipped people with medical advancement and and, and, and knowledge and understanding of the body. But here's the question I've got for you, church. Why is our first resource not the healer? I mean, is anyone among you sick? Start getting on WebMD and fix yourself. Is anyone among you sick? Start freaking out. And tell everybody that this is the end of the world. Now, I'm saying be responsible, totally. But part of being a follower of Christ is your first responsibility. Let me take it up a notch. Because I got another question for the church. Why is it that the local church and its structure that the Bible has established is not where we run to? Anyone among you sick? Go tell your buddies at your Bible study on Friday. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't do that. But who 
came to first. Is anyone among you sick? Flash it out on social media. Great. No, no. My first thing, hear me on this church. And I am not just passionate about this because this is Tony. This is Bible. James instructing the local church goes, if you're sick, call in the elders. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, look, look at how beautiful this is, you guys. It's not just going to heal the sick. It's going to save him and get him forgiven, essentially. Look at this. Let me not paraphrase it. I'll let the Bible do the talking. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Can I make a few statements to you? God is still a healer. God is still a miracle worker. God still shows up. God is still powerful. God is still supernatural. God is still big. God is still in control. God is still powerful and all-knowing and all-doing. Oh, my Lord. Have we forgotten? Here's a question I want to ask you. What else must he do to prove to you that he's still a healer? I was talking to one of my pastors who is in Coeur d'Alene just this last week. We'll, we'll have a weekly or bi-weekly phone call. And I was sharing with him, you know, just get, get, to, get, get to just share with him about my life and just things he calls me out, calls me up. It's, it's a beautiful relationship. And he, he was asking me about the church. And so before I knew it, I'm, I'm going off on this huge list of beautiful miracles that have taken place in this church. Which, by the way, if you're a part of Legacy, even if you're newer, if you haven't seen the miracles, your eyes are not open yet. Because they're everywhere around here. Like, you don't have to look very far. I'm telling you. And, like, I just start listing these things off to him. And then I'm surprised. And I'm going... Why am I surprised? As if like God, you know what I mean? Like when God finally does something, right? And you're like, well, no, that's his nature. And so I'm listing off these things. And by the way, it's amazing. I step into my, you know, uh, staff meeting on Mondays and like, I don't have to conjure up these stories. Like my staff's like, so-and-so is going through this. God do this. God did that. God. And I'm going, miracles. Like from restoration of marriages to, to, to the restoration of health, to freedom, to breakthroughs. I mean, I'm telling you, we've had like, massive amounts of miracles around here in this house. And, and so I begin to tell this, my, my pastor about this, and, and he goes, Tony, what I'm about to say, it, it's sad to say, but, but it's true. I want you to know that that's kind of rare for one local church to be experiencing that much at once. And he, he pastors a church of about 1,500 people, and they just planted a second campus, and he's like, I gotta be honest, Tony, like, I'm like looking for stories like that in my church. Here's what I want to tell you, Legacy Church. There's an anointing and a gift on this house. And that is not to bring us glory. And it is not for us to make a show of it. And hear me on this. It's not for us to make a mockery of it. It is for us to steward this gift well. 
And like I said to you last week, when you are given something, you hold it as a prized possession that you protect, you steward, and you treat it like the worthy gift that it is. And not that we box God into an equation, sorry mathematicians, sorry engineers, there is no equation where we go boop, 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 and God spits out a miracle, okay? Uh, in fact, many times part of the miracle that we ignore is a miracle of grace and grit to get through the difficulties that sometimes life throws our way. But, but I, I want to give you some practical things. When you are here, maybe you're here and you're desperate for a miracle today. I'm not saying this will guarantee the result you want, but I'm telling you, it will touch the heart of God and His miracle working power will be empowered. The first thing you need to do when you need a miracle is recognize you need a miracle. Don't mask it. Don't mask. Don't meditate. Get real. I need a miracle. Some of you are here today and I just want to tell you, enough is enough with masking it. Put that behind you. Don't try to mask it. Don't try to medicate it away. Cry out to Him in your desperation. By the way, we talked about this at pre-service prayer today. If you didn't know, we have pre-service prayer every Sunday at 8.30. So you're welcome to come and join us. We talked about Jeremiah 33, 3. There's something that happens when a people of God call to him. And he answers. Second thing, release the outcome. Don't grasp the outcome. In other words, don't take matters into your own hands. If you need a miracle, release what that'll look like to Jesus. Third thing, I would tell you when you need a miracle is this, is bring him you're not enough. Bring him you're not enough. Just go, God, this is all I've got. Can I share a personal story with you? It's no secret to some of you that know us that this summer was a very difficult summer for me and my family on, on many levels. And after years of walking with the Lord, I literally found myself uttering these words to him that I have never said in my entire life. I'm having a Job moment. And I just remember coming to God going, I got nothing, God. I mean, I've had some pretty desperate situations before, but man, I'll tell you what, man, this summer was rough. And I'm just like, God, I got nothing. And I'm, and I'm supposed to like get up there Sunday after Sunday. And by the way, this isn't like, I'm not trying to like lick my wounds or be a victim or anything, but like, I'm just like, God, what up? And God spoke to me so clearly in my spirit, leading me to the story in the book of Judges where this woman is out of oil and a miracle is performed, but it started with the little bit of oil she did have. And they said, bring me what you do have. And God spoke to me and said, bring me your not enough. And I'm an expert at working with your not enough and making it more than enough. Recognize the fourth thing that there is still an advocate for you. You got to hear this and get this in your spirit. My friend, there is still someone advocating for you. 
Some of you are here and you feel alone. You feel betrayed. You feel like nobody knows what you're going through. And no one will understand. And you are desperate for a miracle. You're desperate for breakthrough. You need God to show up. And you go, not even the people closest to me understand. First of all, can I just tell you, no one will fully understand. Because the one who's supposed to understand is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that friend that sticks closer than a brother, it says in my Bible that not only did he die and go to the tomb and was raised to life, it says he ascended into heaven and instead of sitting back on his recliner looking at creation chilling with his daddy again he's actually at the right hand of the father advocating for you and for me it says he makes intercession for you and for me my friend this is good news for you you have someone who is advocating for you so in an era where cessationism is growing more and more, and by the way, that's a fancy word for the belief that the miraculous, that the, that the supernatural gifts have all seized in the modern age. I want to tell you right now, this is a Bible-believing church. And if you are checking us out, I just got to say this straight up. We will not sway from the fact that Hebrews chapter 3, chapter 13, excuse me, says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed then, he'll heal today. If he'll make a way then, he'll make a way today. If he restored then, he will restore today. If he was saving then, he will save today. If he was making a way for the outcast then, he'll make a way for the outcast today. If he loved the widows then, he'll love the widows now. Come on, this God that we read about is still doing miracles today. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.